We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4 because I didn't finish uh, my series on grace gifts. It's quite funny though because in, in the prayer meeting this morning, the, uh, we, as part of what we do before every uh, every message or every, sorry, every gathering that we have, we get together to pray because how many of you know we need to pray? Anyone else? There's a few of you. Prayer's not. <laughs> the idea of prayer is we've, we've come to understand it in this church is it's a turning of our head to face the one who can bear the burden. And uh, for me, prayer in, in its essence is an acknowledgement of the fact that we need God. And, uh, and I'm not sure about you, but I, I am super aware of how much I need God every day. And so prayer must wrap our lives. That's my encouragement for us today. Prayer is to wrap our lives. In fact, our encounter, uh, and our encounter night, I haven't talked with the team about it, but as we were worshipping this morning, our encounter night next Sunday night, we're going to have a, just going to focus on prayer. Because I really feel at the moment that <clears throat> as a church, we're facing some opposition and it's manifesting itself in sickness. Um, across, you know, these, these extraordinary amounts of, uh, of sickness that is hanging on and hanging on in people's lives um, in our family. And I want us to really focus in on that next Sunday night um, to pray because we, uh, we fully believe that the kingdom of heaven come to earth means we're set free from ongoing sickness. doesn't mean you don't get sick. Sometimes we get sick because we're human. But if that sickness hangs around or if it becomes debilitating, then I, I really think that those are the kinds of things where we need to just acknowledge we're in a spiritual battle and sometimes we need, um, we need to pray for each other. And um, I, I, we just, yeah, so that's just my conviction for next Sunday night. Um, that, and, and I know if I say pre-meeting, often people go, oh, yawn. I, I'm just saying the truth. I know people, you say prayer meeting and they're like, no, oh, okay, great. I'd prefer to listen to Shane Willard. I just want to say let's end that attitude because prayer is, is powerful. Um, and if we don't pray, we're not going to see God move in the ways that we want him to. Um, and so I just want to encourage us next Sunday night, let's make it a priority to come out as a church. Trust me, our prayer meetings aren't boring. Um, we will see stuff happen. Um, if you come and you've got a specific need, we want to pray until um, something happens. Um, and, and we want to see breakthroughs. So I just want to encourage you next Sunday night, prioritize that. It'll be an hour from 7 to 8 where we'll focus in on prayer. Because um, and, and, we need to see just uh, continued moving forward. Amen. Excuse me if, I, if it sounds like I'm out of breath. I am. <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, so anyway, we'll get through this. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians 4, verse 10. Ephesians 4, verse 10. The same one who descended is also the one who ascended above the heights of heaven in order to bring the restoration and fulfillment of all things. And then... In the original Greek, it says that he might fill all things. Jesus might fill all things. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, 
some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. How many of you know that the church is not yet developed into a perfect man with the full dimensions of Christ? Is anyone? You are the church, and if you look at yourself, you're not fully developed yet. I'll look at myself and say I'm not fully developed. I'm part of the church, therefore the church isn't fully developed yet. You know, we were talking about this week, um, how easy it is sometimes when we're talking uh, about the church, it becomes this this disconnected amorphous entity called the church over here gets blamed for a whole bunch of stuff, good and bad. And sometimes we don't realize and we forget that you and I are part of that amorphous body. It's not actually disconnected from us. We are the church. I don't know uh, how many times in my journey as a, as a pastor I've heard people say, uh, talk about the church as if they're not part of it. Right? And I, I want to encourage us today that you are part of the church. And as I've talked about previously in uh, this, this series on grace gifts, that God has given you gifts, and those gifts are for the rest of the body, for the church. And if the church is not measuring up yet to the, to the fullness of Christ, you and I need to take responsibility for how we're contributing to that both in a good way and a bad way. We all have responsibilities as the body of Christ to step into all that God's got for us. I'm learning more and more that most of, uh, most of the things that I wish would happen in church, I have no control over. As much as I'd like to say I do, I don't. Because it requires all of us together to step more into what God's got for us, to desire more, to be open for more. And as we do that, we will see a growing and an expanding of the kingdom of God that it's expressed through us as his body. And I want to talk this morning about um, these, these five gifts that are mentioned here. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Sometimes they're called, there's a number of names for them, sometimes they're called fivefold ministries, the ascension gifts of Christ, ascension ministries, whatever you want to frame it up as, there are these five things that Paul talks about. And he talks about them as being important in, in the life of the body of Christ because they are to nurture, and if in, this, in this translation, they are to nurture and prepare all holy believers for their works of ministry. In some versions it says they are there to equip the body of Christ for the work of ministry. 
How many of you realize, and I've experienced this in my life, I hope you've experienced it in yours, sometimes we need someone outside of us who comes alongside us and helps to encourage and equip us to step into all that we've got, all that's in there, all the potential that's there. Sometimes as much as this world talks about this idea of, you know, self-realization, that I can do it all myself. Actually, we need people alongside us. Sometimes people that have special giftings or experience or abilities in particular areas who will stand alongside us and help to draw out of us all that's in us. You know, for me, um, one of my own personal challenges has been, um, in my world, has been this whole thing uh, of rejection. I've, I've struggled with this all my life. That I'm not good enough, that people uh, don't like me and so push me away. What I actually realized is when you have that expectation in your own life that that's what, how other people treat you, that's how they will treat you. Because the way you behave actually creates that environment where they do that. <laughs> it's not them, it's you. Because that's your expectation, you draw that out of people. You know, if I, I, I've learned the times when I can actually change my attitude and go, everyone likes me and everyone wants to hang out with me. If, I, if, I, if I'm actually living out of that world, then I find conversations are easier. I find relationships easier. I find my connections with others around me easier. And, and I've found that for myself is because I've shifted something in me. Because when I carry a spirit of rejection, all that does is people respond to that accordingly. Thank you. That's my amazing daughter. And sometimes you need people around you who are actually going to say, call you out on the stuff that's going on in your life and say, actually, I see something bigger in you than what you realize. And for these these five gifts, I think this is the positioning of those five gifts. We need these operating within the life of the church. Now, I know some, some, uh, some people, there's, there's a whole bunch of teaching around this stuff. Our movement as um, Acts Churches New Zealand, we were birthed in uh, the early 1900s out of uh, the revival that started in, in Ireland and in, in Great Britain. And Wales, there was just a move of God across that whole era in the early 1900s. And one of the revelations that came that, that um, to the leaders of the church back then was out of this passage about the apostles and the prophets, the pastors, the teachers and evangelists. And particularly a revelation around the partnership between the apostolic gift and the prophetic gift. And how that can unlock stuff in terms of church growth and development and, and taking over the world. In fact, one of the things that happened in that time was this idea, prophetically declared, was that that movement, which was in those days called the Apostolic Church Movement, would belt the globe. And I can remember back in the early 2000s when um, I was involved in the, in the church in Auckland. And we had come, so the Apostolic Church Movement had come from uh, from the United Kingdom. And someone prophetically had been declared, and this is how it worked back in these days, this is back in the early 30s, 
where the, uh, the leaders of the, of the church movement in the UK, the apostles and the prophets, they often what happened was there was a, a prophetic declaration that was made by those recognized with, an, with a prophetic office or an ascension ministry. And they would prophetically declare something, and then the apostles would take that and they would go, okay, what does that mean and how is that applied across the life of the church? And, and one of the things that happened was there was prophetically declared that there was going to be a church movement, that the church was going to be planted in New Zealand. This is back in the 1930s. So you just contextualize, you put that in the Great Depression where people were struggling to get food on the table, resources were thin, and yet God prophetically declared this through a prophet over, over the movement back in the UK. And the apostles said, yeah, we believe that's true. And so they prayed. They prayed God would highlight someone to them that they could pray for and, and challenge with taking that prophetic word and making it a reality. And so that's what they did. And there was a, a man who said yes to that, who responded to the, the prophetic word with the apostolic conviction that came with it. And he came to New Zealand and he started the apostolic movement. Now there's a story, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there, but I, I just believe one of the things that is uh, and has been a significant part of our church is, and our movement is this understanding of the power of when the Ascension Ministries are functioning and what that does for people, but also for releasing the kingdom on this planet. There's a couple of things I want to say about these five gifts. It's interesting, in, in the original Greek, if you go back, it says, and it's uh, in this passage that we said, he has appointed some. So not everyone is called to be a fivefold ministry. Not everyone is called to function in those, those, uh, those gifts and those functions. But we are all called... To be ministers. So there's my first point about this is only some. Not all of us will be recognised with those those mantles, with those uh, those those gifts that Jesus gave to the church. But do you realise? I'll, I'll just make it this way. You actually have to be graced for those operations. It's not something like a hierarchy. The church doesn't operate on a hierarchy. You know, when I was, um, I was growing up, there was this idea that the ultimate of, uh, of being a Christian was to someday make it to be a pastor or an elder in a church, that when you got it to that, you were mature. Let me just say, you can desire the gifts and you can desire these offices, um, these ministries as much as you like. And that's great. But unless God has graced you for it, you don't actually want it. It's not something to be attained for my own self-benefit. Actually, these roles are for the service of the church. And as far as I understand how the kingdom of God works is when you step into these kinds of roles, you actually become smaller and smaller in your importance in the system. 
got to have them functioning. But Jesus made it pretty clear that if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, if you want to have a huge impact, then it starts with getting yourself smaller. You've got to become the servant of all. In essence, if you want to understand what that sort of means in these contexts, the the imagery that I was taught about what these Ascension Ministries looked like was if you go back into um, some of the ancient Greek world and Roman world, they had these, uh, these ships called triremes. What happened with triremes was uh, they had two layers. Down the bottom were, were slaves, were people who sat and often were chained to their seats and they had oars and their job was to row. And they, by doing that, they they took the trireme. They had a sail as well, but if you look at the construction of them, the sail wasn't great. And when they really needed some power, it was the slaves that got on the on the oars. The idea of those people is the imagery I was taught and brought up in Bible college was: if you want to be Ascension ministry, you've got to be willing to be that person on the second layer who's chained to their seat and they're working hard for the service of everyone else who's on the ship to get to where they need to go. Because that's what the kingdom of God is. We're under rowers. These roles are under rowers. The idea that you get underneath people and you help them to get to where they need to go. It's not about you. But we need them functioning. So the first one is only some. The second point that I'll make about these is is these roles are recognized and acknowledged by others. I think this is really important because I think around the world I've seen people who have become self-appointed in some of these areas. And I just, I have incredible concerns about that. That's why I love the fact that as a church, we're part of a movement. And, you know, I stand here recognized in my role, not by you necessarily, but because I'm part of a movement and others in leadership in this movement have recognized that there is an Ascension Ministry gift on my life. And that so they've prayed and they've released me into that. This eldership and the church leadership here also has acknowledged that. But the release of that is because others acknowledged it. If there's a grace on your life for one of these ministries, then it will become obvious that it is there to everyone around you. Why? Because what will flow out of your life is exactly what Paul says in this ministry is that it results in the equipping of people. So the evidence of that, if you're a pastor with an ascension ministry gift of a pastor, not someone who's got a heart for people and a pastoral care focus in their lives, because there are people who have that, who love caring for people, but they don't have an ascension ministry. They function and they minister in that area. But ascension ministry is the level where you're actually equipping others to do pastoral care and ministry. So the fruit of an ascension ministry gift is the reproduction of your gift in other people around you. So let's, 
I'm going to embarrass Normita for a second. We have recognized in this church that Normita has a pastoral ascension ministry on her life. And so we've released her into that gifting, primarily focused in our Filipino community. But everyone around her will know that Normita ministers as a pastor, but she also releases others into pastoral care and ministry. And I would say that's true of all of these, all of these, uh, these ascension ministry gifts, is you can function as a minister in those, and you can minister, you can be, just take prophetic, for example. It's possible for any believer to prophesy. But that doesn't make you an ascension ministry prophet. Just means you've got a prophetic gift. And that's okay. Because we need the prophetic gift operating amongst us, amongst us because it encourages us, it edifies us, it builds us up. But people with ascension ministry gift prophecy release, when you're around them, they release prophetic people. They equip prophetic people around them. Often their own ministry is characterized, so when they're ministering, and in their works of ministry as a minister, You'll see there's high levels of, uh, of accuracy with their prophetic words. There's, there's a high level of impact through their prophetic ministry. That doesn't necessarily mean they've got an office of a prophet just because they can prophesy accurately. The office of prophecy of a prophet, this, this idea of ascension ministry, is when they're reproducing other prophets, when people hang around them and all of a sudden... The grace that's on their life impacts my life. And I become more prophetic (laughs) because I'm around them. Yeah? I find if I hang out, and I used to, um, I used to, I was assistant pastor under, my senior pastor was a prophet within our movement. He was recognized by our movement with that. I wasn't a, I wasn't a prophet. I'm, I'm not a prophet. He was. But because I was part of, uh, part of his ministry and part of his leadership and submitted to him, my prophetic gift grew. My ability to operate in the prophetic grew. Not because I was called to be a prophet. I'm not called to be a prophet. But because he was around and the grace on his life impacted my life. Are you following me? So the idea that you and I need people around us who will influence us. It has to be recognized and acknowledged by others. See, within our movement, we ordain people into ascension ministries. Unfortunately, there's a little bit of confusion around this because often when we ordain people, we just call them pastor. They're not actually pastors. Like I remember with, uh, with my senior, senior minister, he didn't have a high level of pastoral in him. <laughs> and it was quite ironic to call him pastor when he was the last person you'd want to go to if you wanted care and 
support in Does anyone <laughs> They need to be recognized and acknowledged by others. And the third one I'd say is they're primarily equipping ministries. So they are, their role is to equip the body for the work of ministry. So if I'm functioning in an ascension ministry gift, what should happen as a result of that is people around me should be growing in the level of that gift that's active in their lives. Take another example. If you're an evangelist with an ascension ministry gift, evangelism and the life of the church should increase. Because that grace on your life will flow into the, into the people of the church that you're ministering amongst. Does that make sense? You will also, if you're that, you will also see evangelism flowing out of your life, but that's as you as a minister. But when you are stepping into an ascension ministry gift, it's this idea that I'm equipping others for that. I'm releasing the grace that's on my my life for other people. The last one, which I've probably, everyone with an ascension ministry is also called to minister not all about you and your ascension ministry gift it's about ministry we're all called to ministry right but we need these these gifts functioning i'm going to look at an example really quickly oh shivers it's 25 past 11 1 timothy 4 i'll finish with this one 1 timothy 4 And this is Paul, who was an apostle. And he was an apostle. One, he recognized himself that he was called to that. But if you read the story through Acts, he took what he felt God had spoken to him and he submitted it to the leadership of the church. And they recognized him as an apostle. And in this situation, when we read in 1 Timothy chapter 4, this is Paul writing as an apostle, and he's writing to Timothy. Timothy was part of uh, his ministry team, part of his leadership team, if you like. And this is what he said to him in verse 11 of 1 Timothy chapter 4. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift. So I just want to say, Paul was recognizing in Timothy that he had a gift and was calling it out of him. And it goes on to say how they'd recognize that gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere into them, in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. 
If you read all through that, the idea of Paul, what he's saying to his, to his, to his mentee, I would say, in terms of Timothy. He'd sent Timothy into this church and, and said, lead that place. Appoint elders. You need elders. You need governance. You need safety and security within the life of the church. But you also need these Ascension Ministries operating. Elders aren't necessarily Ascension Ministries. Or fivefold ministry giftings. They sometimes do, but they're not necessarily that. It's a different function in the life of a church. But Paul says to him, you've got a gift. It's been recognized prophetically in your life. And the elders have affirmed that that is there. So give yourself to it. Give yourself fully to that gift. Take responsibility for it. Take Be diligent in your pursuit of what God has called you to be. And everyone around you will affirm what they're seeing. That's what I say about these these ministry gifts is, is actually it is affirmed and acknowledged by the people around you if you're functioning in these environments, in these gifts. It's not something you can, you can say yes to God and, and, Declare over yourself that you've got this or whatever, and all of that is great, fantastic. But the ultimate is when leaders around you, the church around you go, yes, we acknowledge that that is what's happening on your life. And we want to release that. We want to encourage that. We want to empower it because that's what Paul did with Timothy in this thing. Give yourself to it. Be diligent in it so everyone will see your progress. And the amazing thing about this is that the recognition of these is not age-related. So it's not about how old you are or even how long you've been a Christian. Because Paul in here says, do not look, let anyone look down on you because you're young. Which says to me, Timothy was young. Now, I don't know how young. There's probably some estimates on it. But if you take Jesus' disciples, who he called them, if you look in Luke chapter 16, he called the ones he called, the 12 that he called to himself as his disciples, he called them his apostles. He declared over them ascension ministry. Now, if you look at any commentaries around how old those disciples were, they're anything ranging between 16 and 24. That's pretty young. Nowadays, some people would question if you recognize someone who was 16 as an apostle. We'd go, hold up, their brains are still scrambled and haven't developed fully yet. How can we release them into leadership and ministry where they're equipping others when physically their brains are still a, I don't know. Why were they able to do that? Because it was a grace on their lives by the Holy Spirit, not on their mental capacity. The early church knew about grace. They didn't know about rewiring of brains. Sometimes I think we know too much. 
to actually allow the grace of God and the power of the Spirit to do what he does through people. Because we think about it too much and we reason why it shouldn't be happening because they're way too young to be doing that. Or they're way too old. Or they've only been a Christian for three months. And yes, I know there's all stuff in Scripture that talks about don't lay hands on people quickly. And wisdom says, and that's why eldership is important. Yeah, I get that. But what I'm saying is these are graces that are on people's life that we need to acknowledge and recognize. And one thing that I don't think we do well, and I, I think it's a challenge for us as a church, is how we recognize these graces. You know, earlier Tim was talking about the encounter night coming up. And I've spoken about this one coming up being focused on prayer. But he talked about the idea that we're going to shift a little bit of the focus around that to include some training. Part of what we want to be able to do is create environments where we are equipping people for ministry and we're giving opportunity for some of these graces and these gifts to be recognized, to be elevated. See, it's easy to do prophetic stuff. I mean, that's pretty easy to do. But how do you equip teachers? How do you equip people with pastoral giftings? How do you release apostolic amongst us? How do we release the evangelist? And we want to do that. We want to create opportunities for us to encounter God so that we can see some of these things released. Like, for example, one of the things I want to do on one of our Sunday nights is for those of you who would like to preach at some stage or to to have an opportunity to teach or to do something like I'm doing now, we want to do that on a Sunday night where we take a group of people and we give you about eight minutes to preach to teach, to explore that gift. And we'll, before you go into that, so we'll give you some thoughts and some guidelines prior, but then give you an opportunity to do it. Because we think it's important to help to grow some of these things because we need these things operating within the life of the church. But to do that, we have to create some opportunities and some environments to grow. And so we're exploring what that could look like. And one of the ideas we've had at the moment is using an event or a space that we've already got, which is our encounter nights, to create that opportunity. I think that's super exciting. Because in the end, we want to see the body of Christ grow. Amen? We want to see the kingdom extended in this place. And that requires all of us to be open to what God's saying, to be saying, yes, I want more of what God's got for me because I know that as I step into the more, that our body is growing more and more into the likeness of Christ, the fullness and the full measure of him. Let's pray. God, thank you for your spirit's presence. Thank you for the grace that you've put on each of our lives that you've shown us. Lord, that empowering presence that enables us to be who you've called us to be. 
and to do what you've called us to do. That grace that highlights different areas that we can function in, that empowers us to use the gifts that you've given us. God, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for the gifts that they have. And Father, I pray that you would help us to release them and to step into more of those gifts in our life and in this church, I pray. God, give us wisdom as we walk forward. Thank you for our elders and those in leadership. And God, we pray that you'd give them wisdom, give them insight. God, we ask that you would release the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers amongst us. And God, if we don't have them here, that you would connect us with those in our movement and around us that have those grace gifts. That we can tap into them to equip those within the life of the church so that we can be mature and measuring up to your full stature as your body. In Jesus' name, amen.